Acts chapter 4 and verse 23. Let's just turn and pray and ask the Lord's help this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence among us. Lord, we come afresh in need of you, Lord, and we pray for the Holy Spirit to help us and to quicken us and to speak to us this morning. We pray, Lord, give us ears to hear and hearts that are tender. Lord, we pray that you would come down in this little room today. Would you touch your people afresh? Lord, would you give us, Lord, a fresh vision, a fresh reality, Lord, of your great plan and purpose that you have for each one of us and collectively. Lord, would you undertake for us today, Lord? You know every heart, Lord, that's in your presence this morning. You know all that is going on in every life. We pray this morning that through the preaching of your word that faith would arise and great encouragement would come. Lord, that we can trust you and we can look to you. And Lord, we know, Lord, that you are faithful. Lord, that you have promised us that you would never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we just pray that you would undertake, Lord. Give us ears to hear, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 4. And we know these chapters particularly well. Um, And just as we're about to read here, this is the report uh, that is coming back to the believers after Peter and John have been uh, arrested and subsequently they're released uh, after this great... Uh, holy uh, commotion, I suppose you would say, when the lame man was wonderfully healed and Peter's sermon, and then they're arrested and brought before the council and they're threatened and then they're released and they return uh, to the body of believers to bring uh, this report. And we'll pick up the reading there, verse 23. It says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that are that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. I want you just to pick that verse 28 out. And just if you can, just remember uh, this one wee verse. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, verse 31, and the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they speak the word of God with boldness. And the church will say, Amen. There's a great understanding here in this, I suppose you would call it the fledgling church, the early church, this young church. It really hadn't much in material possessions. It had no real great heritage. 
It was very fresh, very new. It had no buildings, had no belongings. It had no great titles. It wasn't anything other than a band of men and women whose lives had been wonderfully transformed by the resurrection and the life. And they were just on fire for the Lord. And in this here, there was a fresh revelation of this great truth that what was happening, what was unfolding before them in their day, and I want to say it's also the same in our day, wasn't a series of mishaps or coincidences or accidents that was unfolding. But there was a divine plan and there was a purpose that was unfolding in their lives. And they believed that God had determined this according to his counsel and his foreknowledge. And so when they looked at the cross and when they looked just in the recent days of what they had seen, the cross, the death, the resurrection, subsequently the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Pente- at Pentecost, when they looked at it and they say here, just in verse 27, it says, For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou anointed, then it's, it, it, as they look at this, they say, Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles, that's the whole entire Roman Empire and the Jews, and they stood up against the Lord's Christ and they in themselves believed that they put him on the cross. But now with the revelation on time, it wasn't men as much as they put him there. This was your determined counsel and your foreknowledge. You had a plan. And so when they come to this great difficult time, when Peter and John come bursting through into the prayer meeting and say, listen, here's the report. The whole council has said that we must stop preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. They have threatened us with prison and possible death and persecution. And this is the reality of where we are. But they understood that when they came up against difficult times, whether it was going to be corporately or individually, that God has a plan. God has a plan. And whether where you are this morning, what you're going through, what you're in, no matter how dark it may seem or or how how difficult you've come to. It's really important to know, friend, this morning, you may not necessarily feel this. It wasn't the feeling of these things. You may not feel this, but God has a plan for your life. God's working in that difficult circumstance. We are understanding this in a theological sense. The the definition of understanding God in this way is that God is omniscient. That word simply means that He has infinite awareness and understanding and insight. He knows all things. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He was and is and is to come. When He started it all, He'll finish it all. It's all contained within Himself. God is Almighty. He is Almighty. He is all-knowing. He is infinite. He knows all things. And so Peter preached this even on the day of Pentecost, the first message to be preached uh, post-Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, if you turn back, they had this knowledge and revelation that everything that was happening was not a series of coincidences, but this was the plan and the purpose of Almighty God. Even hard times, even prison, even difficulties, even trials, God was working and God was moving. And Peter says in Acts 2.23, Him 
delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. I want you to try and keep that phrase at the forefront of your mind this morning. Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. But God raised them up and God loosed the pains of death because it's not possible that he should be holding of it. What a mighty God we serve. It was all the purpose. It was all the plan of an almighty God that knows all things. Now for us today to understand and to be persuaded that in the 21st century, today, this is St. Patrick's Day, but today on the 17th of March in 2019, brothers and sisters, God has a plan. God's still working. God's still in control. He's still seated on the throne. He's still the almighty God, not just of all the universe and all the earth, but God's got a plan for your life and my life. And he knows everything that's happening to each one of us. The Bible tells us concerning him in Colossians 1 and 17 that he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Everything consists because of Jesus. In Psalm 147, it tells us there in verse 4, He telleth the number of the stars. God knows how many stars there are. He calleth them all by... God's got a name for every star. Calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and of great power. His understanding is infinite. In Isaiah 40, verse 15, it says there that the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, He taketh up the isles as a very little thing. In Psalm 40, verse 22, it says, He sits on the circle of the earth. The inhabitants thereof are but grasshoppers. He stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. In Isaiah 66 and 1, Thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is just his footstool. In Isaiah 40 and verse 12, it says, He has measured the waters of the earth in the hollow of his hand. Think about that this morning. 70% of the earth's surface is water. They tell us that is, listen to this, 1.3 billion uh, cubic kilometers. That is huge. It's very big. That's what that means. But God's got it all just in the palm of his hand this morning. He measured out the heavens with a span. He comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. And he weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. What a mighty God we serve. God's got a plan. But you might say, well, Tim, I believe all that. But does he know about me? Does God know where I am? Does God understand what I'm going through? Because God knew my trial. Because God knew the prison I'm in or the pit that I find myself in a metaphorical sense. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6, Jesus speaking says, Take no thought, verse 25 of your life, what you're going to eat, what you drink, nor, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold the birds of the air. They sow not. Neither do they reap, neither gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth the birds of the earth. God feeds the birds of the earth. We were driving uh, through Belfast the other night. It was just dusk. And then, you know, was it the starlings? I'm not too sure what. It's the star, the flood, the thousands of them creating this pattern. And God feeds them all. He feeds them. God feeds the wee sparrow and the wee robin. 
God looks after them all. And if his eyes on the sparrow, what about me? God says, I'm watching over you. In Luke 12 and 7, Jesus said, the very hairs of your head, they're all numbered. God knows exactly. Listen, that's how concerned that the Lord is with every individual in this room. The hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are more value than many sparrows. Hebrews 4 and 15 tells us, We have a high priest, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet he's without sin. God knows all about it, friend. God knows all about the weaknesses, the trials and the tribulations and the tears and everything of what you're going through. The God that holds it all and all the waters in the palm of his hand, he cares for you. Isaiah 57 and 17 says, No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment Thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, for the righteousness of me, saith the Lord. God has your back. And God is your shield. And God is everything. Jesus said in John 10, if you turn over, John 10 and 27, to this wonderful verse, John 10 and 27, I want you to be encouraged with these words this morning, John 10 and 27. Jesus said, My sheep, they hear my voice. John 10, 27. And I know them. You know, it's wonderful to know this this morning, that Jesus knows you. I know them. And I give unto them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. And then it says these words, and neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Somebody say amen. amen. I'll tell you, friends, be encouraged with this this morning. Do you know that word pluck is the same word that's used when the Lord comes and we shall be caught up to meet him in the air. That supernatural force of Almighty God that raptures the church from the face of the earth. That is exactly the same word as used there for pluck. Nothing, no force in this planet, in this universe, can trail you out of the hand of Almighty God. Think about it, friends, this morning. What a wonderful blessing it is to be saved this morning. To know that you are in the palm of Almighty God and nothing can pluck you from the hand of God. Isn't that amazing? Oh yes, there's trials. Oh yes, there's the powers of darkness. Oh yes, there's the difficulties. Oh yes, men and things that oppose the Almighty will come. But friends, there's not a demon in hell and there's not a man on the planet can pluck you from the hand of Almighty God. Well, I don't feel that this morning. It doesn't matter whether you feel like it or not, friends. It's God's Word. Nothing can pluck you from His hand. Think about it, friends. Nothing. But I'm weak and weary and tired and broken and I feel a failure. Nothing can trail you out of the hand of Almighty God. What a place to be. Safe and secure in the hand of Almighty God. Nothing can pluck any man out of my hand. Father, my Father which gave them me is greater. Do you know what? He's greater than all. 
He's greater than it all, friends. He's greater. Would you say this morning, is greater than all? Is greater than all. Say it like you mean it. Is greater than all. He's greater than everything. Nothing. Right in the very palm of Almighty God. Nothing. Nothing. No demon on hell. No man can pluck me out of my Father's hand. What a mighty God we serve. Not only is the great God of the universe, of the earth, of the heavens and the seas, and the birds of the air and everything around us, but friends, no wonderful thing, God's interested in you. God's interested in every person in this room. God's got a plan for every life. God's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for my life. He's got a plan for those that are older or younger, male or female. He's no respecter of persons. God's got a wonderful plan. Well, I'm not saved. God's got a plan for your life. Know what it is to save you? What a plan. The plan of redemption. Come to the cross. It begins at the cross. I'm going to tell you, friends, it's all about the cross. And in the end, it's because of the cross. What a plan he has. We understand that God has a purpose in everything. The church grasped this in the early stages, that this was the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. So I want to move forward with this thought this morning. And it may not be what you think, but I want to tell you, brother and sister this morning, or young person, you're here this morning, and no matter what you think or feel, whether you want to be here or not, God has you here. If I don't want to be here, and if I had a choice, I wouldn't be here. But you're here because God has you here. Whatever you're going through or whatever's going on, happening in your life, whatever your plans are tomorrow, next week, next month, six months, a year's time, two years' time, three years' time, let me tell you just this morning, you're here because of the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. Oh, I brought myself here. I'm going to tell you something. We're dealing with the Almighty. Sometimes we, even as believers, in the midst of all of what we're going through, we lose sight that there's a plan. We lose sight that God has determined this, and this is the foreknowledge of God. What did Paul and Silas think in the prison? Really in the depths of their being, what did they think when their back was beaten and opened? What did Peter think? What did the prophets think when they were cast into dungeons and rejected and they lived in caves on bread and water? What did Elijah think when he was in the cave running from Jezebel? What did David think when he was being hounded by Saul? What did they think? What, what, what was the reality of their thoughts and the trials of our lives? Because we've all got trials, right? You begin to see when you read their lives and the book is opened and you look at God's people that from the beginning in Genesis 1 and 1 right to the very last chapter of Revelation that God has an amazing plan. It's amazing. You begin to see as you look back in your life and everyone who's been saved and you just look over even a short space of time. Do you know what you begin to see? You begin to see that there's an almighty hand in my life. Even before you were saved, there was the drawn power of God. How did it all happen? How did it all come about? God brought people into my life. God brought 
preachers into our lives. God brought Christians into our lives. Work colleagues into our life. God was working and wooing and drawing us by the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place that we would make the choice to follow Christ. I, I don't try to tie that into two boxes, by the way. That's just God. We can't put God into a box or put a label on him. It's just God. And so we look at this in the lives of God's people. Probably in one life, more than most in the Old Testament, you see the purpose, the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God unfold. I want to look at him for a moment. His name's Joseph. And what a plan. But if you turn over, we're going to go through some parts of Genesis 39. But you know the story of Joseph. And we read this of a young man with a great, uh, I would say, just in our terms, it a passion to serve the Lord. People criticize him for where he was wise or not and how he went, went about things. I don't know, but I know he wanted to serve the Lord. He finds himself in that passion of wanting to serve the Lord, of creating a, a schism, I suppose, with his own brothers. We know the story that when he goes out one day, and they're all there, they've really had enough of him. They're saying, let's just finish this off here. This guy just really, I would say in our terms, he annoys the life out of us. That was basically, just to bring it up to the modern English, he annoys us. And so what do they do? They throw him down into the pit. Now I want to talk about this and spiritualize this or bring it into the picture for us. I believe every believer has found themselves in the pit. Isn't that right? In your Christian walk, you'll find yourself at times betrayed or find yourself in the pit. God is doing a work. The injustice, they lied about him, they sold him the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. But friends, just early on in this, I want you to see it. Here's the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. Think about it. His brethren take him and they cast him into a pit. Then there's these band of merchants going by, the Ishmaelites, and they decide, they decide I tell you what we'll do, we'll get shot of him here. Give him to the Ishmaelites and that's the end of Joseph. It's over with. Where's the Ishmaelites going? They're going to Egypt. They could have been going anywhere on the planet. They could have been going to Balnehench, but they weren't. They were going to Egypt. God's purpose and plan was to get this man, Joseph, to Egypt. Why? Because in the years to come, there was going to be a famine. God was working. And sometimes when we're in the pit, we don't see the purpose but God does have a purpose even in the pit. And so now we see Joseph is sold to go to Egypt. It looks over, doesn't it? Well, there's a man called Potiphar that purchases him and brings him to his house. And there we see that he's in the house. Not only now had he experienced the betrayal in the pit, but now we see the, the, the injustice that's about to take place when the lies are told concerning Joseph and the threats that are made from Potiphar's wife. We know the story again. Now he's going from the pit and he's going to go to the prison. Anyone spiritually ever sensed? Like, you understand what I'm saying? We're free, we're saved by the grace, but there come the time where 
like there's a prison of our mind. But even in the prison, it was God's determined counsel and foreknowledge to have Joseph in the prison. Because if he never went to the prison, he'd never met the butler. And maybe in your prison, there's a purpose to meet the butler. Maybe you're there for a reason. Maybe God's got you going through something for a purpose to reach someone in the prison or for you to meet a butler. And that butler was key to the life of Joseph. And so we move forward again. And as we see the unfolding, determine the counsel and the foreknowledge of God. Because the butler has a dream with a baker. We know the story. And when the butler gets out, he says, I remember a man in the prison. Did this all happen by accident, by the way? Is this a series of just coincidences that just all happened that way? This is the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God at work. And so now he's brought from the prison to the palace. You, listen, it can only be God. Let me encourage, what am I trying to say this morning, friends? You might, you might have found yourself in the pit. You might have found yourself in the place of Potiphar's house where there's been injustice or lies said, untruth said about you. You might have found yourself in a prison. But let me tell you something, there's a purpose and there's a plan of God in every life in this room. And as we're going through this journey on life's road, God has got an amazing plan for every life. And in that purpose and in that plan, it's number one to glorify God. And everything's working together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. God is writing your life. And He is unfolding your life. And He's bringing you through. But what happens often in the pit? What, what type of party do we have in the pit? A pity party, isn't that right? What type of party do we have in Potiphar's house? A panic party? What type of party do we have in the prison? We all become pessimistic. It's worse and worser and even worser. Can't get any worse than this, but it probably will. And then eventually, what type of party do we have in the palace? The party palace. I stayed in the party palace in Nepal. It's Gordon Stewart's fault. It was terrible. But friends, God's got a purpose and a plan. And God's working. Could it be that there's an unfolding plan and purpose of God in everything that you're going through and everything that you're experiencing that God has you there for a reason? That God sovereignly has put you in that place? That God has determined by his determined counsel and foreknowledge, that where you are this morning, exactly where God wants you to be. That's hard. That where you are, I'm going to say this again, that where you are this morning, even in this wee town of Balnehenge, sitting in this wee church this morning, that actually this is where God wants you to be. This is where God has purposed you to be. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, I just look back over the last few months, just in the light of this, I go, God, you're amazing. The purpose and the plan and the unfolding plan, we don't know it all. 
We don't have it all together. We don't have all the plans. We don't know what's, what's ahead. But what we are doing is we're being faithful to the calling and the workings of God. And as we walk in that, what happens? God begins to unfold his purpose and his plan and reveal it to us. And look what God's doing. Is it not wonderful in our eyes? Is it not amazing? The whole strategy of God, how he maneuvers things. You know, I think back just a few months ago, maybe eight months ago, there was a bit of a situation. I can remember going up and down the alleyway. I remember saying to Nikki one day, our neighbor, remember Angela, the hairdresser's there? Lovely girl. We got friendly with her during the, this building. Real nice girl. And she'd come out to have a cigarette here. And we'd all stand talking to her and, and everything else. But for a few months then, Angela, I don't know where it's ever happened to you, but it takes me about six months at least to work out that someone's not speaking to me. Just letting you know, if you're ever going to ignore me, leave it about six months long, and then I'll catch you on and go, you have stopped speaking to me. I didn't know. But I'm walking along, and this girl's standing there. Hi, Angela, how you doing? The head was down, and she wasn't speaking. I said to Nikki, you know, I think Angela's not done what's wrong. I've done something. Maybe, maybe I've done something. I don't know. Then one day I said to Lane in the office, I said, Lane, See Angela next door. She is she speaking to you? Is it just me? Lillian <laughs> says, She's been a bit strange. And only then as the thing began to be revealed that something had happened by someone who attended the church and was here and then gone. But something happened in the alleyway. It was an awful thing. It was a terrible thing. And that girl had felt that the in some way that because they attended here or came to one of the some of the meetings. And then they'd done something and heard that she had sort of fallen out with us. And see, once I found out, the first thing I did was go down there and said, Angela, I have just found out something. But I want to tell you something. I'm so sorry. She says, Tim, it wasn't you. You didn't do anything. The church didn't do anything. And the girl began, I'm just going to tell you, she began to weep. And that relationship was wonderfully restored that day. Now, why am I telling you that? Because see, a few months later, we were praying one morning when we were going down to see the Enterprise Bar to see the Lord's leading, whether the Lord wanted us to go for this or where we were going with that. And we prayed, Lord, see this day. Lord, you direct us this day. You lead our steps. So I'm walking down the alleyway. The relationship with Anne's has been restored. Anne's is standing having a cigarette. At, I'm sorry. Anne's is standing having a cigarette. at the. At the I, I, I'm delivered from cigarettes, I promise. I've done that so well there. But I'm delivered, praise the Lord. And uh, I walked down, and Angela is standing there, and because the relationship was restored just a couple of months earlier, and I walked down, and we were praying, Lord, lead us, shut the door if it's, the, if it's not this building here, lead us in where you want us to be. And I'm walking down, and Angela says, here's the butler. Not she didn't say that, but here it is. She says, Tim, I'm moving out of here. This building would do your church, and here's the man that owns it, and here's his number. Was that a coincidence? Was that a series of mishaps that just all that? Friends, I want to tell you, it's the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. If we walk with him, he'll unfold it and he'll bring us into the place that he has, not just physically, but spiritually. God's got a plan for our lives. The Bible says in Romans 8, if you turn, I know these verses are well familiar to us, but in Romans 8 and verse 28,
Would you read these verses, Romans 8, 28 through the verse 31? Let's read them together. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to conform to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified, and whom He justified, them He also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God's for us, who can be against us? But brother, I'm in the pit. I'm in the prison. I'm in the time of betrayal. I'm in the time where people have lied about me. Let me tell you something. I want to encourage you this morning. As Paul says, and we know. Church, I want to ask you, do you know? And we know. Paul is bringing their... Can you say this morning, and we know. Not, not, not through just our own physical strength, but through faith in God and in the power of His Word. And we know all things are working together for good. It's amazing. What a life to live for Jesus. With all the trials and the disappointments, with everything that we go through, friends, everything's working together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to the purpose of God. God has a plan for every life in this room. Not just for some. God's a plan for every life. God's a purpose in everything. Israel, we're coming to the time and the season changing. And I believe this, friends, for our lives individually. But I also believe it for us corporately that God changes the seasons. And I believe that God's going to change the season here. I really believe this. Israel, we're coming to the end of 70 years of a captivity. But God said in Jeremiah 29 and 10 that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, God just said to them, I'm going to visit you. Isn't that amazing? See, after this trial, God says, I'm going to visit you. And I'm going to perform my good word towards you and causing you to return to this place. And then he says this, and we know this, this is hung up in walls all over all over every Christian home probably across this nation. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Isn't it lovely to know that God thinks thoughts toward us today? That God's thinking thoughts. Think about it, friends. God's thinking about you. Does that do something to you? Does that encourage you? Does that, just the thought that God's thinking about me this morning, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end, to give you hope. Then shall you call upon me, and then you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of a heart. What an amazing God. What did the disciples think when the waves are flying over the edge of the ship, the winds are blowing, and everything's holding on? And they're crying out, we're about to perish. Then Jesus comes walking on the water. I'll visit you. The church must know, we must know, that even in these last days, and in the midst of everything that is happening around us, we must know that everything, all things, are working together 
for good to them that love the Lord. Do you love him this morning? Do you love Jesus? That's it. Do you love him? Then everything is working together for good. So the church, the early church, realized this one thought. They looked at Calvary and they seen that all the powers of hell and darkness and all the kingdoms of this world, the Herods and the Pontius Pilots, and all of man and their kingdoms and the Roman Empire are against God and his Christ. Now as that cross is lifted up and Jesus is nailed to the cross and men wag their heads and cry, we'll not have this man to rule over us. It was a determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. And what that encouraged them with, that in Christ defeated all the powers of hell and darkness, death and Satan himself on the cross, that every time they came to a difficult time or a hard time, they could look again to the cross and know that God, you have purposed this and there's a way through because you're the God that makes a way when there is no way. That our hope is in the victory of the cross and the power of the cross. And God has a plan. Now they begin to pray, Lord, behold their threatenings. Amazing, isn't it? Behold their threatenings. Friends, this morning, we may be under great threat from the powers of darkness, the kingdoms of this world, and the great strategy there is against God's people in these last days and in the kingdom of God, the church of Jesus Christ. You know that word threatening simply means to intimidate, to bully, to, to browbeat, to pressurize, to terrorize, and to frighten. And the strategy today from the powers of darkness is, listen, it is, it is to intimidate the people of God. But brothers and sisters, this morning, God's got a great plan. God's got a great plan. What a plan God has. And you're part of that plan. Think about it, you're part of that plan. God's got a purpose in all of it. All he's asking us is to be faithful. Be faithful. But it looks dark. It looks as though it's as dark as it's ever going to be. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. God's able to make a way through every prison and every pit and every trial and every tribulation. God has a plan for your life. What an amazing Savior. We are trusting in the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of Almighty God. Friends, keep walking, because eye has not seen, nor ear has heard what the Lord has in store for them that love Him. It's only beginning. It's only beginning. Let's keep faithful to Him. Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.